In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. This is the feast of St. Peter of Alcantara, October the 19th, here uh, in New Jersey, next to New York City. St. Peter of Alcantara, this is the account of his life from the breviary that all the priests pray, and all the monks have prayed for centuries and centuries. Here's his account. St. Peter of Alcantara was born of noble parents at Alcantara in Spain. From early childhood, he gave indications of future sanctity. At the age of 16, he entered the Order of Friars Minor, that's the Franciscans, where he became a model of every virtue. Out of obedience, he took up the work of preaching and led numberless sinners to sincere repentance. Desiring to restore the foundation of St. Francis to its original strict observance, with God's assistance and with the approbation of the Holy See, he founded a very small and very poor monastery near Pedroso. This most austere mode of life, so happily begun there, spread afterwards in a truly remarkable way through the various provinces of Spain and even to India. St. Peter assisted St. Teresa of Avila, whose genius he had always esteemed highly in carrying out the reform of Carmel. After St. Teresa had learned from God that whoever asked a favor of him in in Peter's name would be immediately heard, she used to recommend herself to his prayers, and even while he was still living, call him a saint. So St. Teresa of Avila, if you remember in her autobiography, she talks about many priests. And she said, I'd rather have a wise one than a holy one, but the best would be the union of both, a wise and holy. So she certainly found this in St. Peter of Alcantara. And as you know, St. Teresa of Avila suffered a lot of persecution. She had a lot of hardships, a lot of contradictions, even from other monasteries, other convents. And other convents were very, um, we might say, jealous, very, very um, scornful of her work. So it didn't stop her, though. She, had, she was a hot-headed Spaniard, this St. Teresa, and full of the Holy Ghost and a great love of God. So she did found numerous Carmel convents throughout Spain. So as... as in the 1500s, as England fell away from the church and was killing its priests and introducing a new mass and imposing a whole new religion, and those who resisted were most of them put to death, and all they had to do in most cases was just just one time attend the new mass, the new mass of the Anglican service, which actually in those days was still very conservative. Many priests who went abandoned the Catholic faith and went with the new Anglican schism They still said the Latin Mass facing the altar. They still had devotions. But the Catholic priests and the Catholic people would not attend because it was a change of the faith. And this is why we refuse to go with the new Mass, the new religion of Vatican II, because it's a a direct attack on our Lord Jesus Christ as King by the document on religious liberty. It It uncrowns him as Archbishop Lefebvre so explicitly shows in detail in his great book, They Have Uncrowned Him, which I recommend all of you to study and read and pray over. 
because he gets into the engine of all the problems in the church today. The engine is the Vatican II text. And not like many new neoconservatives try to argue, well, it's not the text that's wrong, it's the interpretation of those texts. And that's false. The errors, or as Michael Davies put it, the time bombs are built right into the council. The errors are built right in. So the direct attack on Christ as king, the attack on him as the eternal high priest with the new mass, the attack on Christ as the only unique redeemer and only savior outside of which, outside of him and outside of his Catholic Church, there's no salvation. So these were deeply attacked by the decrees on ecumenism and on the, the, new, the new liturgies. And then the attack on Christ as his, his church, his spouse, as the only vehicle of salvation. So St. Peter and St. Teresa didn't have to battle these errors in their day because they, they were still in Catholic Spain. But we're fighting for the very survival of the Catholic faith today. It's, this is, if 88 for Archbishop Lefebvre was Operation Survival, this is, <laughs> this is 100 times more with the sirens blowing and the red lights flashing. And we're going to win. doesn't matter if you're the last one standing. And it's, it's okay. It's okay if we've got enemies on the front of us, if we have enemies on the, behind us, if we've got the enemies on the right and on the left, above us and below us. As many great Catholic generals said in the past, we have them right where we want them. And with Our Lady, with her weapons, we're going to win. We must just persevere the daily rosary, wear her scapular, fulfill her requests, especially the five for Saturdays, as best you can, to make reparation to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and to really live the Fatima request, which is basically living the Gospels, the virtues of the Blessed Virgin Mary, of great humility, a strong faith, courage in this age of cowardice, and discipline and self-denial in an age of, of much impurity and self-indulgence, and simplicity to keep focused on God and the glory of God in an age of so much, so many complicated things. So, we want to pray to these great saints. Here's the rest of what it is said in his life. In his deep humility, St. Peter of Alcantara declined the favors of princes who consulted him as though he were an oracle. He refused to become the confessor to the Emperor Charles V. He practiced poverty most rigidly, contending himself with but one tunic, and that a poor one. So great was his sense of purity that in his last illness he would not allow the brother assigned to take care of him to even touch him slightly. Through the practice of constant vigils, fasting, flagellation, by enduring cold, insufficient clothing, and austerities of all kinds, he brought his body into subjection. In fulfillment of a promise, he never gave it rest in this world. His love for God and his neighbor filled his heart. At times it burned so fiercely that he was obliged to leave his narrow cell and go out into the open air, that the cold night air might temper the heat which consumed him. The grace of contemplation was admirably strong in St. Peter. Sometimes he, in spirit, 
his spirit would be so completely nourished in this heavenly fashion that several days would pass during which he neither ate nor drank. So he would just be so wrapped in the, the union with God he forgot to eat. He was often seen to be lifted up into the air, and he shined with wonderful brilliance. He passed with dry feet over rapid rivers. When his brothers were absolutely destitute, St. Peter fed them with food and drink sent down from heaven. So um, this shouldn't be too surprising. Many of the Franciscan orders um, they they didn't have much food left, and they gave to beggars. So there's there's an account. I think it's even in the life of Saint Francis, where Saint Francis told the the one in charge of the pantry, "Give the beggars the last food. God will supply." And that night they had nothing to eat, empty cupboards. There was just nothing to eat, and angels came. Ten angels came and served the tables with good food for the brothers. So God does provide, and we have to trust him even now, because in, in these days, we're in a, many men, many good ladies are in a situation, especially with their families, with these gravely immoral, absolutely unjust and tyrannical mandates that are demanding you to accept these immoral poison needles or lose your job. And... We have to trust in Almighty God. Before Him, we cannot accept these poison needles, not just because they're poison and full of toxins that are meant to kill. Genocide is the program out of their own mouths, but also they're gravely immoral because they are made with aborted baby cells. While the baby is alive, the babies are alive, they're, they're while they're alive, they extract the liver, they extract the skin, they extract the the cells they, they need while the baby is squirming for his or her little life. So, and this is not just one case in the 1960s and 70s. This is what the, the new conciliar SSPX has based their argument on. The 2005 the document out of the Pontifical Academy in Rome. But it's not founded. It's not well-founded. They haven't done their homework. And those who have, and LifeSite News has a whole series of good doctors and experts and nurses in this field who have revealed that it's many aborted babies who are butchered while they're still alive. And the cells, they're no, they're no good if they're dead. They have to be alive. And one of the speakers said that, for example, the chicken pox injection is, is teeming with all kinds of aborted baby cells. So obviously we can't have anything to do with that. And, and so many will be put to poverty. Many are going to be put in a very difficult situation. But we must trust our Heavenly Father. We must trust in God. Do all you can. That's why many people are saying grow gardens if you can. Uh, there'll have to be some kind of underground economy that we're going to have to figure out and be creative without bowing down to this satanic tyranny that's upon us. So, as the providence of God and the angels provided for St. Peter of Alcantara and many monks and many, many religious orders down the history of the church, 
So God will take care of your families. And you can hold that to it. You know, Lord, you did say, you call, call you Father, and you take care of the birds of the air, you take care of the lilies of the field, and you promised you would not abandon us. So trust, put all our trust in him, but use good sense. A staff, that a wooden staff that St. Peter of Alcantara fixed into the ground became a flourishing fig tree. Once, as he traveled by night in a heavy snowstorm, he took refuge in a roofless, ruined house. The falling snow hung miraculously in the air to make a roof lest he be smothered in the dense white snowflakes. St. Teresa of Avila testified that St. Peter had the gift of prophecy and the power to read souls. At length, strengthened by a wonderful vision, comforted by the presence of saints, he passed on to the Lord at an hour which he had foretold in the 63rd year of his life. At the moment of his death, St. Teresa, who was far from the scene, saw him carried up to heaven. Some time later, St. Peter of Alcantara appeared to her, saying these famous words, O happy penance, which, which has won for me such glory. After his death, he became famous for his miracles. Pope Clement IX canonized him. O happy penance, which has won for me such glory. Now, this is what Our Lady of Fatima said to the children in July. She said, pray for poor sinners. You have seen hell. Pray for poor sinners because many go to hell because people don't pray and do penances for them. And asked, what penances did Our Lady want from us? Was it heavy fasting? Was it scourging our back with, with metal rods? What was it that, that, that precisely that Our Lady wants of us? Obviously, in most of your states of life, these things would be a hindrance. If you severely fasted, you're going to be too weak to work, too weak to support your family. You're going to be annoying. You're going to be always on edge. Your wife will go crazy or your husband, and everything will spin out. So what are the penances God wants from us is observe the fast of the church. Just observe the traditional fasts, the ember days, the three-hour fast before communion, the, and if you can, with the morning mass, the fast from midnight. And observe, of course, the Lenten fast, which is one meal and two smaller meals in, per day. And then uh, the vigils also, that uh, the vigils we should try to observe. So these are the fasting of the church, and these are not so difficult to do. They are not always easy to do, but, but um, these are the penances that we should embrace, the ones given us by Mother Church. And then the greatest penances, says Sister Lucia, and in the lives of all the saints we see this, is just accept the crosses God sends us with our duties of state, of life. And there's no way, walk of life that is without thorns and crosses, annoyances, disappointments, things break down, Things go array, and you get frustrated, and plans have to be readjusted. This always happens. So we embrace these things and try not to complain, but accept it peacefully, patiently from the hand of God. 
and resigned to his will. You're stuck in traffic, you got an appointment in 15 minutes, and it's a huge traffic jam, you just can't get out. Well, offer this to God. These are, these are heavy penances. The penances of today are different from maybe of, of St. Saint Peter Alcantara's day, but they're no less meritorious. You know, in this whole craze today, this whole new religion with the, the scapular replaced by the external sign of these ridiculous masks that don't work, the whole social, anti-social distancing mandates and all this garbage that you got to deal with. And some people take it so serious, they, ha- they have no religion, so this has become their religion, and they really become obsessive, and they hate you, they spit on you, they utter all kinds of <laughs> mockery, and take all this, all this time, the persecutions of this day against Christianity, which is happening. In Canada, they're arresting Protestant preachers all the time, they're finding them, and they're, they're heretics, of course, but it just shows the persecution is against Christianity, and especially the Roman Catholic religion of tradition. They hate that. So we got to fight on and carry on and trust in our Blessed Mother and, and embrace all the crosses of each day with the Immaculate Heart of Mary in reparation to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. This is what God wants. He wants his mother loved. He wants his mother honored. And the rosary. The rosary is so powerful. The abbot Marmion compares each bead that we say. Every Hail Mary on the rosary bead is as powerful, if not more, than the sling that had the one rock in David's sling against Goliath. And when David launched it with his full youthful strength, it nailed Goliath in the head and he fell face first. And then as we read... Um, the account, David jumped on his back, tore off his helmet, took out his sword, grabbed his bushy hair and cut his head right off and held his head up for all the Philistines to see and all the Israelites too, and dripping with blood and the veins hanging there. And all the armies of the Israelites gave glory to God that they, he con- conquered through this young man, David. So... So the rosary beads are like many, many rocks right between the eyes of Lucifer and Satan and the occult forces in the high places today. And already their cards, their, their card castle is crumbling. Already all over the world, people are have enough of this. They're resisting this. But many of them don't have the right solutions, and we do. And Our Lady gave it to us, the rosary, the scapular, five for Saturdays, the Catholic faith of tradition. So let's fight on and let's beg the Virgin Mary, help us, only she can, in these days of apostasy. And to persevere is a special grace. Will we end up in those quarantine camps that they're, that they're now very much talking about, even the politicians in Canada and Australia? They're already openly saying the non-injected will be channeled to these concentration camps. Is that where God will want some of us to die? I don't know. I don't know. But wherever we end up in this time, we got to fight on. And there's a lot of good you can do in a concentration camp. Just think of the charity, the patience, the helping each other, preparing for death, 
like Saint uh, Maximilian Kolbe. He, he heard all the confessions of the men that he was in the prison with, and they injected them with the poison needle, and it did kill them. And it finally, they finally starved to death. Uh, Saint, Saint Maximilian Kolbe, they were starved to death, and then he was shot in the arm. So he did what uh, an example that we sh- all should be ready to do, lay down our life for our neighbor, help them, help save souls, and help offer all our crosses and sufferings in union with the Immaculate Heart of Mary in reparation to her for the conversion of sinners and to snatch as many souls as possible from the fires of hell. O Mary conceived without sin, O Mary conceived without sin, O Mary conceived without sin, and for those, as St. Maximilian Kolbe added to this prayer, and for those who do not have recourse to thee, especially the communists and Freemasons and other enemies of Holy Church. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.